Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of In The Ring with Acacia Courtney, episode 10. We've made it to double digits, which is very exciting. I have a fun show coming up as we just wrapped up the first two-year-old sale of the season, the March two-year-old in training sale at OBS. Um, it was, it seemed a really successful sale, especially looking at where we were a year ago. I remember being on the sales grounds at the March sale and getting the notice that everything would be shut down, basically. It was when we really kind of closed uh, closed the world due to COVID-19, hearing that there would be no more uh, spectators at Gulfstream Park, that we would be really limiting everything that we were doing on track and thinking, wow, we're just you know about two weeks away from the Florida Derby. Maybe it's a two-week kind of quarantine at the track and we'll be able to open back up on Florida Derby Day and have fans and everything will be normal. And here we are a year later, still very far from normal, but I think we've come very, very far. So it was also really exciting to see how much of an improvement there was in the overall average, the median, the number of horses sold at this March two-year-old sale. I think last year too, people just didn't really know what was going to happen, didn't know what the future was going to hold. And so being there on the sales ground, there definitely was a lot more buzz and excitement um, this year versus last year, which was really wonderful to see as we look towards the future, getting back to some semblance of normalcy. And I think we can really be incredibly proud on what we as an industry have done over the past year in adapting due to COVID-19. So the two-year-old sales are underway. I've got some great guests on today to talk about about it and talk about what's still to come as far as the two-year-old sales season as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. We start things off with my dear friend, Ramiro Restrepo, a marketer and representative of South Florida and Latin America for Basic Tipton. Also, a big uh, pin hooker with his own uh, pin hooking agency, Marquee Bloodstock Agency, pretty busy at this sale the past week. And I know taking that never ending drive from Ocala to Miami now, Ramiro, thanks so much for joining me. No, thanks for having me, Acacia. It helps fill in the, the void of uh, this just mindless, endless drive. So, so thanks for having me on for sure. And a successful trip to Ocala for you, though, with the uh, OBS March two-year-old and training sales is you're also part of Marquee Bloodstock Agency and some pinhooking ventures, some big success with an American Freedom, Hip 461, and a Curlin, Hip 107. Tell me a little bit about these two horses. Uh, that was, um, that was it. Uh, I started a pinhooking venture. Well, I started my, my own a bloodstock agency uh, a few years ago and uh we kind of like leaned on pin hooking you know yearlings to two-year-olds as uh as the backbone of our operation so at the uh phasic tipton select september sale this past year uh we picked we plucked uh an american freedom for 110 uh from airdrie and then uh, glen hill farm was having you know one of their first consignments uh there as well and we bought a curl and colt from a really nice you know, Glen Hill family uh, for a hundred as well, and gave them to Joe Pickerel, who is my partner, not only um, in buying the horses, but he is the one that you know goes on with them and gets them ready for for the two-year-old season. So um, it's amazing, you know, like agents, they get the flash and the and 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 like their picture taken, but you know the 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 credit has to go to the guys who are you know, with the horse 24 seven. And that's, 
you know, guys like Joe Pickerel and, you know, his, his guys at, at, at Pickview, you know, they're the ones that take care of it, train it, feed it, develop it, and uh, make them go fast <laughs> and gallop out really well. So um, not enough credit could be given to, to those guys on, on, the, on that end. But both horses really came along nicely this winter. Uh, they grew, uh, put on nice weight, got longer, and uh, really did their job. They both breezed extremely well and just couldn't be happy with the results. And then, you know, we're all praying for a good, a good vet report. They both came out really healthy, and um, you know they were sh- sh- they they showed really well. Had all the eyes that that every seller dreams of, uh, you know, taking a look at their horses, mm-hmm. and um, you know both sold well. You know, one for a buck ninety, and the other one for two sixty to some sharp, sharp buyers. Uh, John Ford, a peach tree, who's had all the success in the world. You know, Plum Pretty, Lord Nelson on down, mm-hmm. and and then um, you know Clark Shepard. Uh, for Larry Hirsch. So two sharp guys, really happy to see that they bought them and, you know, hoping they go on and, and make some big noise, um, uh, you know, in the couple, upcoming years. And tell me some of the things that you look about when you're pin hooking horses, because obviously, you know, you find that value, you buy a horse for a hundred thousand or so, and then you're able to turn it around and sell for two sixty. That's obviously a, a good return on your investment, but as you said, there's a lot that goes into it. So what are some of the things that you look for in potential pin hooking prospects? For sure. You know, like th- there's definitely uh, um, certain things that you look for in a sale horse for the next year over, uh, over uh, a yearling that you're just going to race. Uh, I tend to look for something that's, that's a little more uh, forward looking in terms of its precocity on the racetrack. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, a yearling looks like a, a, a two turn, horse or has a lot of turf attributes you know you just know that commercially uh while it might be turn out to be a successful racehorse you know commercially it's something that's just not gonna bring a ton a ton of money at the two-year-old sales so like the first thing i do is look at pedigrees um what's in there that might have an update you know coming up the following you know over the over the winter that uh might you know have the pedigree you know pop out it's always exciting to have uh, you know, a yearling that you buy have a sibling that comes up and wins, you know, graded stakes races or gets other black types. So I look at pedigree big time, you know, too, uh, even if a yearling, you know, might be at an awkward stage of growing, if they have that nice shoulder and, 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 and big hip, you know, that, uh, that tends to have uh, to lean towards the speed. So you're going to, you're going to hope for, um, for you know for that type of results when they start breezing you know they show that quickness and then three you know i've, I've had a lot of luck with freshman sires uh last year i pin hooked the frosted that did really well you know from 80 to to 185 that uh debuted for for state and flurry uh and brad cox at uh at oakland palace malice i had structure um that was another really nice pin hook and um you know, now with American Freedom was a nice little score as well. So you want to look at sires that, you know, have sold well as, as foals or, or uh, you know, have been getting a lot of attention uh, as yearlings so that, you know, that sexiness sells. So mm-hmm. you, you look at the, besides, the, you know, the physical attributes that I think everybody's out there looking for, I, I also tend to, you know, really dive into the pedigree because when the combination of the physical and the page come together, um that's when you're going to get your, you know, your, your biggest return. And so I do look at, at just more than the athlete and, you know, the, the, 
what everybody always says, you know, for a fast looking yearling, yes. But I also look a lot into the pedigree updates and, and, and what, what sexy freshman sires are out there. I've, I've been able to have a lot of luck with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what I lean on really at the, at the yearling sales. Well, it's an interesting concept, too. You mentioned those freshman sires and, and American Freedom being one of them. Sometimes there there seems to be a little, a little almost hesitancy as far as spending big bucks on some of those new unproven stallions. But have you noticed that there is kind of more of a trend of, of wanting kind of the, the new the new shiny toy, I guess, so to speak, at the sales that some of those freshman sires really have kind of become where people are maybe gearing towards a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it starts off even when a stallion goes to stud. You know, their mm-hmm. first two books are the biggest books that uh, that, that they're going to get until, until they hit, right? So um, there's a lot of selection when those uh, when that first crop goes to goes to the market. So you kind of you know the the blessing of being able to go around to the farms and see the you know see the foals and see the yearlings as they're as they're coming along and you know having good relationships in Kentucky where these horses are being raised, you kind of get an idea of what the breeders and those who are raising these first and second, you know, first, second year sires, uh, how, how they're looking, how they're coming along, how they're acting. So when they get to the yearling sales, you know, you have a pretty good idea of kind of what the market is, you know, leaning on and, 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 and speaking favorably of. And, um, uh, the first two books, these freshman sires are getting a lot of, you know, sexy pedigrees and 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 mares with, you know, good race records and produce records shot. So it kind of just plays into, you know, my my strategy when I'm buying, you know, those yearlings with Joe. And um, it, it's turned out to be a winning formula uh, for us. Yeah, I'll say as we talk about probably, I, I would imagine for you, uh, the, the biggest thrill as far as pinhooking ventures do go. You mentioned Structor, winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Talk me through that, finding him, and then watching him going to be so successful on the racetrack as a two-year-old. Yeah, you know, like, I understand this, you know, in life, you know, money makes the world go round. And, and sure, making an ROI is awesome for myself and partners. I mean, You'd be kidding not to say so, but the number one thrill, like the rush of a horse that you, you know, purchased at one point of its career that goes on to have success on the track, like there's nothing like that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. for me, that's the ultimate reward. That's how you gain respect from your peers, which is like, you know, uh, it's just the ultimate validation is when you're looked at by your peers as man, you know, this guy buys not just a horse that makes money as a one trick pony at a sale, but it goes on and like wins. So it was a. Uh, you know, walking the sales grounds uh, when 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 structure came about, I told Peter Ford another story back at back at Breeders Cup. You know, it's like sometimes I think uh, fate plays a hand in things. Uh, mm-hmm. I went by the Gainesville consignment. I had seen you know structure. Palace Mouse was a was a horse that I really loved on the track. He was such a uh, a versatile horse and, and 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 just a beast to be able to win the Met Mile on the Belmont. So I was looking for a Palace Malice. Uh, I saw this horse and I just like was like, wow, you know, like I really fell in love with it. And the next day I was walking in the vicinity of that consignment and I saw a horse like 20, 30 yards away. And I was like, dang, what is that thing that's just walking around over there? So I walked over and it was the same horse. And I was like, holy cow. And then when I went to the back ring, there was a horse walking in the in the in the second back ring at a distance. And it kept catching my attention. I was like, what the heck is that? 
no, what, what is that animal? And I walk over <laughs> and it was the same horse. And I was like, oh my God, you know, if it's, this isn't the fates telling me like, hey, Bozo, this is the one you got to <laughs> buy. <You know? laughs> this is it. So it was, uh, you know, sometimes you get a sign in your face and you just got to go with it. So we ended up going a little past what we wanted to, but we secured them. And then, um, you know, Joe t- took over the horse, just grew the right way, you know, physically just matured right. And then his Brie show, uh, I was actually in South America at the time for a, for a, a on an ambassador role for FASIC over there, you know, recruiting and representing the, you know, representing the company there. And when he breathed really well, everybody was like, kind of, I was left jaw dropped. So I landed on, on a red eye, flew straight to the sale. And on my drive up Acacia, like Joe's sending me pictures of like all the, every big name agent in the game looking at this horse. So we're all just like jaw dropped. I was like, oh, it made me drive like a hundred miles per hour to get up there. <laughs> the horse sold really, really well, obviously. And when uh, Chad Brown had him up at Saratoga and he was kind enough to let me go to his barn, saw him breeze a few times, broke his maiden, first time out. You're so, you, I mean, that's like a dream. Won the Pilgrim, my first graded stakes, you know, performer, winner. And then at the Breeders' Cup, I went to the barn and, and Chad was like, full of confidence. He goes, what happens if we win this thing? I go, you're crazy. And he goes, we're going to win it. Watch. So when the horse came through, if you see Jose Ortiz crossing the wire, he's yelling at the crowd, uh, throwing his whip in the air. And it's because when Chad legged him up, he told him, just say hi to me in the stands when you're, pat- when you're crossing the finish line. And true story, hand to God, of how confident Chad was in this horse before the Breeders' Cup. So he wins it. And of course, you know, it's like everyone's screaming and yelling and hugging, kissing. And a uh, big thank you to, to Jeff Drown and, and Don Rachel, who owned the horse. They, you know, let us in, you know hang with them in the paddock and go to the, the champagne toast after the race. And it's one of those dreams occasion. I mean, mm-hmm. we're all here busting our butt, you know, whether you're an agent, a trainer, or anybody in our, in, in our industry. And you get to achieve like that Super Bowl feat of winning a race at that level. It's it's what you, uh, it's what we all you know, work for and dream about. So, it was uh, an amazing an amazing experience. Hope to do it again. Uh, for sure. I mean, that's the biggest <laughs> goal, right? You're only as good as your last win, isn't that? Yeah. Right? Sure. Well, you, you've got an exciting filly um, that came from Chile in San Inos, who's with uh, Mike McCarthy right now. She won the La Quinata. Tell me a little bit about her and some of the horses that you've had success with bringing from Latin America to run here in the U.S. Oh, yeah, pretty cool. You know, we um, I've been down to South America a few times to Argentina, Chile, and Uruguay. Um, first filly I, I, I helped bring over was the Uruguayan, you know, uh, three-year-old and, and older champion, Sexy Reasons. Um, Eclipse Thoroughbreds um, acquired her, and she ran in a couple stakes races at Aqueduct, hit the board, um, but unfortunately had a, had a physical setback, and uh, she didn't go on. But it was nice to see, you know, her come over here and kind of be active in, in, in black-type races. Um, from there... From, from Chile, we were able to to go down there, and there's a, a farm there, uh, Aras Matriarca, uh, of uh, Felipe Sullivan and, and his son Diego Sullivan. And um, when I was down there for another big race, I went down to their to their uh, you know racing stable and um, took a look at, at their inventory, and 
and that their stock, you know, kind of did like an, like an all show per se. And uh, along with their cousin, Juan Pablo Sullivan, who's a, another, you know, prominent agent down there. We kind of looked over their stock, looked over their PPs and saw some replays and, you know, kind of got an idea of um, the types of racehorses that they were, their physicals. And, you know, it, it's it's hard for uh, South American horses that come here to run on our dirt to kind of adapt to the pace of our races. You know, they run their dirt races much like uh, turf races are traditionally run, you know, like slower opening quarters and halves and they come with a close. And in America, like, as we well know, as we've seen, it's, it's almost like a mile and an eighth horse or a miler with speed that carries to the mile and a quarter and to the, and to the mile and eighth races, you know, like you have to be on the engine. We run here, 2245s, you know, 2244s and, and 109s and carry 132 miles. So like, mm-hmm that that pace is is difficult to for a horse to come over here and kind of you you know besides adapting to the to the climate and and the new hemisphere adapting to the pace is the hardest thing so mm. we picked out a couple of horses that had shown american like tendencies of running like kind of on the engine and, and 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 running at a faster clip with a little bit of a class in their pedigrees uh so we brought over brown storm um he ran in some pretty big dances last year He's a son of Scott Daddy. He's six now, but he ran like fourth in the big cap, fourth in the gold cup, uh, fourth behind the United on turf. So mm-hmm. he, 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 but he hung, you know, like he was on the lead for, you know, 80% of the race, got caught in the, down the lane all three times. But it was nice to see, like, okay, you know, like, like they could come here and hang. And, yeah. and uh, we brought uh, Sandy Noose over. She was a grade one winner down there. And uh, Michael gave her a race at Del Mar, ran a nice third. And, Took her to Churchill, where we thought she'd prefer um, a little bit of a faster surface. You know, Delmar was playing a little, uh, you know, pretty deep, and Santa Anita for that matter too. So we took her to Churchill. She ran third there, and she ran second behind Finite in a Grade Three, which was awesome. Uh, you know, to see her kind of getting her her legs under her, and uh, then she went to La Cana in that fashion. So we had huge, you know, it just kind of like. It opens your eyes like, wow, you know, we beat a couple of grade one fillies in that race. Um, maybe she belongs in the upper echelon of that uh, um, dirt division. And uh, we had entered her in the beholder over the weekend. And, you know, uh, she you know, was probably arguably the second or third choice in that race. And unfortunately, you know, there had been some rain during the week. Santa Anita uh, closed their track for training for a few days. And, you know kind of like a bodybuilder going for the Mr. Olympia or a boxer, you know, kind of pointing for a heavyweight fight, you know, like Michael had her so sharp and so ready to just explode on this day, you know, like mm-hmm. eight weeks of training for this one day. And then the week of the race, they, they, they close training for, you know, a few days and, you know, they're just, you know, all you could do is walk them. They're, they're wound up so tight. She ended up tying up, you know, pretty bad on us, you know, like full, full body cramp and, just uh but a real bad case and you you know once you treat them in that fashion you can't uh you can't run so unfortunately we have to withdraw so um kind of back to the drawing board and uh make sure she's healthy and 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 back most importantly and then you know you let michael he's got the keys to that to that ferrari he makes all the decisions um we can you know we he talks he lets us know what's what he's thinking but um 
uh, just kind of figure it out. I don't know if it's if she can get back in time or see if she can maybe work back next Saturday. Mm-hmm. If so, maybe the Madison might be in play or, um, you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to face Monomoy girl right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a determinator. You don't want to face that, 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 that champ until you have to, but uh, maybe the La Troyenne or, yes. or just keep her in California, find a, a, a great two or great three and, and wait for the Clement Hirsch. I mean, it's, this is all up to Michael. It's yeah. just, you know, one of the most dangerous things is a, is a, uh, a racing manager or an owner with a condition book. Cause you start getting ideas <laughs> <laughs> and the trainer's like back up kid, you know, like, no, I'm joking. but uh, my, Michael, Michael knows what's up. He's, you know, he's danced all the dances. He, he knows, mm-hmm. you know, what to do. So we'll see what happens with her. The ups and downs of this game, huh? I mean, it's, the highs are so high and the lows are really so low and you just kind of have to take it all in stride. It really keeps you humble, doesn't it? Uh, Acacia, if you couldn't, you know, bottling a win on any level, right? A handicapper hitting a bet, uh, an agent winning a race, an owner winning a race, that high, that feeling. I mean, the goosebumps I have right now, like, look, I re- when Structor won and he was like bottled up in the back and he made that, you know, he, I kept screaming, you know, get, I was by myself after and I was like, get him up, get him up, get him up. Like in a zone, you know, you're, you're possessed. And mm-hmm. when he hit the where and he won, I let out like a Tiger Woods roar. And these guys <laughs> next to me were like, you got him up. And it, th- that feeling, that insanity, you know, the, 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 that one feels when you win in horse racing, it's like, you'd be the wealthiest man on the planet. if You can bottle up that feeling, you know, I mean, experiencing that on, on whatever level you're involved in second to that yet at the same time how gutted you feel when you lose a race there's a physical setback something you know traumatic happens to a horse of yours it's like a family member being passing mm-hmm. i mean it's the it's so valleys of our sport chase that high of of success uh, but it has a sure way of knocking you back down to reality real quick but hey you know i wouldn't have it any other way and and, and and the love of the the love of that is why we do it. That's for sure. And you're always looking for the next one, as as we talked about. And um, I want to ask you about the phasic Tipton sale coming up. But first, I wanted to circle back to Latin America a little bit, as South Florida and Latin America is where you really focus with phasic Tipton. And I feel like when you took on the role um, in in that position, you were really kind of tapping into something that was such a big part of it, but hadn't really, I think, been focused on very much. Tell me a little bit about your findings and what focusing on Florida and Latin America and, and bringing the, that bloodstock in, those owners in, what that experience has been like and some of your findings on the importance on tapping into the world of racing and, and pedigrees as far as Latin America goes. Well, you know, I think it's been it's been about seven years now since I've uh, I, I joined Facing Tipped in in that role. Um, at the time, you were seeing a lot of uh, Latin American players make their move from not only being successful in their home countries, but opening up you know stables in the United States and buying farms. You know, like Don Alberto had purchased mm-hmm. Vinery uh, around that around that time frame, and uh, Ocala had a, a boom of a bunch of uh, Latin Americans come over and uh, and buy some farms. So their activity in the sales in the sales scene was w- w- was quite impactful, and you could just see that simply in the sales results. 
but uh, no sales company really had anyone not only dedicated as a, you know, as a representative, as a concierge, as a, as a ambassador, as a, you know, for assistance, what, whatever, you know, you want to, you want, you want to, however you want to label it, uh, mm-hmm. specifically for that, for that demographic. And to go a step further, not, no, none of those places had, none of those sales companies had an employee of a minority background mm-hmm. that was from that culture. So, um, it was, it, it was, um, you know, forward thinking on basics end, you know, I'm second generation, I'm second generation, uh, Colombian. So my, you know, South American. So, you know, although I am, you know, Americanized and my parents came here quite young, you still have, you know, the connection to the, to the culture and the understanding of how they, how they operate and how they think and, 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 and how they conduct business. And it's just adds that being able to not only like just speak the language, but you know, it's one thing if you're a Google translator, another thing is if you actually, you think in Spanish and you know, you know, the culture firsthand, it, it lends uh, a comfortability and um, just uh, it, when you're comfortable and relaxed, you're at ease to really be able to conduct business mm-hmm. at, your, at your best. And if someone's comfortable and, and, and feels at home, you know, and they're going to come participate in a sale, maybe they, you know, they spend a little extra. Uh, if they're trying to sell a horse and they're debating on where to sell the horse, if they have a better personal relationship, that, that lends to, you know, helping out in their final decision of going uh, facing Tipton's way. And, um, you know, I started focusing on South Florida because... It's a huge Spanish-speaking community. Uh, it's a huge. Um, I mean, just look at the trainer standings at Gulfstream mm-hmm. uh, the, from the jockeys and trainers. I mean, everyone's uh, Hispanic down there for the, for year-round for the most part. So, being able to uh, develop relationships with them down there, as I was already like a, a horse owner and, uh, for a few years beforehand. So, the synergy between myself facing and the local community down there went really well. So being able to like develop those relationships and uh, from them meet new players that were coming in. Oh, you know, I have a friend that's looking to come to buy horses in America. Oh, I have a friend who just bought a farm, just word of mouth introduction and hanging out at the track. Like if it's like my office, my clubhouse, you just are the first one as the first responder there to, to, to get that, you know, to get that lead, that, that relationship lead. And, and then with anything, you know, if you have a natural ability to be affable and, 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 and help people out and, and just, you know, provide good, uh, advice and, um, and, and be helpful. I mean, people are appreciative of that, you know, that you're going that extra mile for them. And, um, it's been able to create a lot of opportunities, uh, for facing Tipton and, and in turn, see these guys come here, purchase horses in America, and then go on and have success, whether racing or pin hooking, um, which was like one of the coolest things about this sale today. Yeah, it was, it was an OBS sale, but there were so many Phasic Tipton purchased yearlings that were being pin hooked by Latin mm-hmm. American guys. And to see them go on and have success with a product that they got initially at our sale, it's awesome to see, you know, it's like, wow, you know, they're in here, they're establishing themselves, trade is happening and and um and that's quite rewarding 
for myself and for obviously for for facing and and uh the last couple of years i've had the opportunity to attend some big races in brazil and uruguay and chile and argentina and now i guess take that next step of um trying to bring them even though they might not be established in the states like the other guys are being able to you know open the door and extend invitations and 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 the fruits of that are starting to pay off little by little as well so uh it, it's it's been a, a an amazing you know an, an amazing experience that's for sure i mean mm-hmm. the amount of people i've been able to meet and 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 open up relationships with the company has been awesome with, with facing has been awesome so um the more that, that that they keep having success the more doors that will open and the more you know that that trade route will will will, will continue um you know getting bigger and bigger so i'm i'm real happy with it and i don't think there's uh, any any group of people that are as enthusiastic at the races either as here at Coldstream. <laughs> we've had the the classico del caribe held here a couple of years of course not this past year thanks to covid but I always say, I mean, it is one of the most fun days of racing. If you ever have a chance just to YouTube the classical races and how people run on the field and just the excitement <laughs> and, and the, the passion. And I, I think that's amazing how a company like Basic has really taken the initiative to, like you said, tap into what is already existing for uh, for quite a while here in South Florida. Oh, I, you know, even, even like, look, obviously the classic was a, a, a wild experience. Yeah. You, you nailed it. You described it. But I mean, even go watch Antonio Sano cheer a yeah. horse down the lane, <laughs> down the lane, uh, in, in a, in a, in a, in a regular race. And like, it's still an amazing sight. Uh, you know, the, the stereotype that we're hot blooded, you know, definitely comes out during a race. So. Uh, the cheering and the, the the vocal expression of uh, that, that that we give out, whether you know you're 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 playing the races or you have a connection to the races, uh, the culture is really expressive. So it, it is pretty, it is pretty pretty exciting and entertaining um, to kind of like be amongst that crew um, and be, you know becoming friends with them and 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 creating you know professional business channels with them and and it's just a great um a, a great mix i mean it's it's been a heck of a rewarding experience for sure no doubt yeah, i think when gunavera won the fountain of youth i think antonio made it all the way to the clubhouse turn <laughs> to walk back with the horse and the excitement it, it's just really awesome and and i love hearing that from your viewpoint as well as um sticking with the south florida theme coming up on March 31st right after the Florida Derby will be the Phasic Tips and Gulfstream sale. Tell me a little bit about what makes this sale unique and some of the things we can expect coming up in a couple weeks. Right. Well, it's it's well that and now the Santa Anita sale are, are you know uh, are the sales that are held at the the racetracks where the some of the most prominent, you know, Kentucky Derby preps and uh, and premier meets are held at. So you know, unlike uh, some of the other, you know, juvenile sales, which are held at uh, you know, training centers and sales specific locations, you know, the Gulfstream sale is held at a racetrack where you get to see your future purchase perform at the venue where it's going to run in a big time made in special weight, where it's going to run in a big time allowance on winners of one. And obviously big time Kentucky Derby uh, prep races during the championship meet. So, um, it's a it's a it, it's a 
more, you know, numerically speaking, it's more of a boutique sale. There's 186 horses, I believe, cataloged uh, in, in this year's sale. There are, you know, the, the, the physical and pedigree uh, ins- process, inspection process that goes into, into the sale, you know, is, the, the bar is set pretty high. Uh, you know, consigners that have been uh, selling there definitely know the type of horse that they, that they bring are the horses that, you know, we're all uh, hoping to buy as the, the quote unquote Saturday afternoon horses. And mm-hmm. uh, what, what, you know, what better venue that, that uh, showcases Saturday afternoon horses than Gulfstream Park's, you know, championship meet. So being able to put on a two-year-old sale uh, as a, at a venue like that gives such an insight and, and, and a preview into, uh, into watching your horse perform over that surface, um, you know, has led to the success of, of uh, not only, you know, the sale itself, you know, averaging, you know, really, really nice numbers, but at the same time, uh, in its first year there, you know, you have like a Nyquist comes out mm-hmm. out of that sale and goes on and wins, you know, the Derby. So um, the long list of graduates that have been able to come out of that race, uh, even Copano kicking, who just won uh, on uh, on Saudi Day as well. So the list the list is is, is deep, but um, you know, I, I don't think there's a substitute uh, for being able to have a, a high-end two-year-old sale that showcase that showcases your juvenile over a surface that you're going to be running 90%, 95% plus of your, you know, your horse's future mm-hmm. career over. So um, I think that, you know, the, the, the sales track records speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward for everyone to come into town and kind of, you know, you're hosting everyone on your, on your, on your home track and, uh, you know, looking for a successful sale. Now the uh, the under tax show to take place on March 29th, and uh, horses will be able to ship in here, train over the track as well before the breeze sale of the breeze show, excuse me, which is also a benefit. Um, last year, because of COVID, we didn't get to have this sale. What has kind of the morale been like with Basic Tipton in planning the sale this year and kind of showing that strength, that resiliency coming back here in 2021? Oh, it's it's all systems go. Um, we've done our best to, you know, support the horsemen who, who have stood by our side and, you know, now we're standing by their side, uh, through the, through this, this past year, which was so, you know, such an uncertain time, but, you know, it's a, it's a sale that everyone, you know, buyers and sellers alike, they circle it on their calendar and, uh, being able to hold it back here, you know, creates, uh, an awesome air, uh, aura of excitement. Um, you know, FASIC's been speaking with consigners and and um for several several months now uh in advance of this sale you know securing everyone's you know best offerings so we're super super thrilled with the quality that's being offered uh that will be offered at the end of the month you know it's you have uh the whole country still freezing and we're in, you know, wearing bathing suits and bikinis down here. So it's just a beautiful venue, beautiful weather, awesome quality uh, in that catalog. Though everyone at Basic has been, you know, pumping this sale up um, for, for oh, basically since last year. You know, like we had to pass on it one year, but but uh, you know, we've been focusing on getting and recruiting the best horses possible. We feel that we've done that. The top 
you know, 186 horses available. We're, you know, we're committed to the sale. So everyone is super excited and just, you know, looking forward to a, to a good sale and watching these graduates go on and, uh, and shine. The Wednesday after the Florida Derby, March 31st, the Phasic Tipton Gulfstream sale. Really looking forward to it. Ramiro, it was so fun getting to talk to you today and, and hear all of your stories. Congratulations on a successful pin hooking a couple of ventures and best of luck with the Gulfstream sale coming up. Uh, thank you for having me on, Acacia. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you at Gulfstream soon for sure. Well, if you were at the OBS March two-year-old in training sale, you might have seen a new name as far as the consigners are concerned. I'm pleased to be joined today by Rafael Centofanti, who just went out on his own and had a consignment and was very successful at the OBS March two-year-old sale. Rafael, thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. How are you? Doing great, doing great. You had uh, a lot of success this past week. Congratulations. Selling four horses, one of them a private sale, but one of the horses you had in your small consignment, your first time as a consigner, sold to Mike Ryan for three hundred thousand. That was hip two ninety six. I mean, talk me through what that feeling was like. It was a it was a nice feeling um, to sell a horse at, at that at that level uh, at that price, um, especially Mike Ryan buying it. Um, being first year, you know, we I try to bring a small group, a little bit of a group with some quality. Um, he was w- one of my top horses I trained this year. We have some other horses I went on to go um, for breaking, but for racing, but for so um, th- th- that horse, um, you know, sh- shown a lot of ability um, through the season, and 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 he's in good hands. You know, I'm kind of excited for who bought him, and mm-hmm. apparently he's going to Chad Brown, so. I think you'll have, um, you know, he'll represent me well. You know, as a horse, I think will has a lot of talent. I, I, you know, the sky's the limit with that horse. You know, um, we used to do breaking back then for my family, and so we've been around horses, you know, since two thousand nine. And you know, he's he's uh, he, he has every quality to be a good one. You know, so I'm excited. You know, it's 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 nice to have a good one in your first year. So I'll be following him. So so it's pretty nice. You know. Yeah, that was hip 296, a cult bite into mischief, arguably the the hottest sire in the world right now. He went 21 flat in the under tax show. Talk me through what you were feeling after he breezed and was there kind of buzz around this horse leading into the sale? Well, yeah, you know, he he he, he breezed good. He he mm-hmm. um I think the colt is more of a dirt horse, you mm-hmm. know. I think he I think that's what Mike Ryan saw, you know, he's a he's a, he's a sharp guy. Um you know the, the the horse has a great mind to him, so um, the horse is a better dirt horse in my opinion. But he breathes well, and 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 he showed himself well, and I'm just excited, you know, to um, was able or have the opportunity to to present to present a horse like that in my first year. Mm-hmm. Really. So I, I'm excited, you know. Now you said it's your first year, but you've been around the horse business for a while. Tell me the thought process and the inspiration behind wanting to start your own consignment. Well, yeah, we we we, uh, we started in 2010, you know, um, uh, racing. My grandfather in Venezuela had horses, but in 2010, my dad, my mom, and I, you know, we 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 started racing. We bought a farm in Citra, but it was just strictly racing, and then we got into the breeding, everything privately owned, just our, ourselves, you know. And then um, I had the idea to do a little bit of pin hooking, going to the sales, you know, and and um, I kind of. Wanted to have my own structure and control, so I kind of like 
to the same process we did in races because we did we did all right for the small budget we had, you know, mm-hmm. and and we um, so I kind of wanted to do my own thing in, in in pin hooking. I started getting a little bit of partners and just that's how I kind of went I went that route, you know, and and and. I, I I do like the racing, don't get me wrong, but I, I love the sales. I love the pin hooking. I love buying a, you know, yearling or wheeling and seeing the progress and then, you know, creating a nice product for then users, really. Yeah, it's amazing to see the, like you said, follow the, the process and follow how they grow up. I mean, what are some of the things that you look for, whether you're buying a yearling or a weanling, and, and what are some of the things that you kind of, I guess, uh, look at either end of the spectrum when you have a limited budget to find the best quality? You know, um, confirmation is key, uh, always, you know. Um, but at the same time, you got to see, you know, the, the attitude of the horse and see the mind, the kind eye that horse might have, you know, something like that. Um, also, you know, how athletic, you know, and, and the way they show themselves in the yearling so you know. And a gut feeling goes into it as well you know there's something about that horse you know that you might like you know so it's a combination of both things and 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 that's how i kind of choose horses you know what have have been some of your best experiences pin hooking are there ones that you look back on and say you know i'm really proud of of what i did pin hooking that horse you know um it's not always how much you sell them for you know i really think the best aspect of the pin hooking is that um you buy a horse that becomes a runner, you know. I think um, we have one running in today. You know, I bought him in July. Um, he didn't work out that great in the in the sale. You know, we had to scratch him, but he's he's uh he's 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 training well. He ran first time out. He won, and he'll, he'll be in today for a race. I think race five. So kind of um you know that they become race horses, really. You know. And. In the racing aspect, you mentioned owning horses with your parents. I think the horse that really put you all on the map was a horse named Fear the Cowboy, who we saw quite a bit down here at Gulfstream. In fact, fourth in the Pegasus World Cup. Tell me a little bit about that horse and the journey that he took you on. Yeah, the horse, we bought him as a, uh, I think, a short yearling in the phasic tip in February. So we bought him, I think that year we bought like 25 of them. We did some pin hooking that year, and we sold some in the two-year-old sale, and we kept him. You know, he didn't have much speed to him, and but we we did love his the way his 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 IQ level was above average, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we, we we did like the way he he was, you know, and and we started breaking him, and the the horse shorty had some talent, and 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 it was nice, you know, it was a horse that took us around the country, and we went on to compete in the heavyweight division with likes like Accelerate, West Coast, Gun Runner. And um, you know we bought him for fifteen hundred, but it was it was beautiful to see a horse that um, you know we broke at our farm and and um, he had a lot of heart and, and we, we were able to compete and it's nice you know it's that's what's what horse racing is all about you know so um, that's why that two ninety six reminded me a lot of Fear the Cowboy you mm-hmm. know I mentioned that intermission showed his qualities of him so it got me excited you know it's it's. It's, it's nice to, to, to have a horse like that again, you know, in your hands. It's not that often you see them. So um, it was exciting for our family, you know, with a small operation. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, that's what horse racing is all about. And I think I speak for everybody in the Gulfstream Media office that we became friends of Fear the Cowboy because he really just, he was that overachiever, that horse that, that you really felt like you could root for every time. I mean, that has to be so rewarding when you have something like that and a horse, it's the horse that takes you there, right? For sure, you know. I mean, there, 
exactly like 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 you said um the horse you know you, you get to keep them happy keep them sound and they give you all you know those are horses that have a lot of heart so definitely the horses <laughs> tell me a little bit about your family's involvement you mentioned uh, your family comes from venezuela um i also had ramiro restrepo on the show this week and talking about the influence in latin american racing and latin american people and and the influence that they've had, particularly on racing here in Florida. Tell me a little bit about your journey uh, coming with your background into U.S. racing. Yeah, so my grandfather always, you know, in Venezuela, he's, he's Italian. So my grandfather in Venezuela, they're, all their partners will always have a leg. So they're always involved in racing somehow. And um, in Venezuela, um, you know, we're very passionate about that sport. That's big over there. So... I mean, if if you if you see here, you can kind of relate. You know, the Venezuelans love racing. They love you know, um, the whole industry, and um, there's very good horsemen in Venezuela. You know, and 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 you can see them here. You know, they, there's a lot of great trainers here in, in, in Gulfstream. They're very sharp horsemen. Um, they know horses. They know how to put them in the right spots. And it's just like a culture. You know, it's 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 a big sport there. You know, it's like the football, uh, American football here or mm-hmm. soccer around the world. You know, and um, you know um. I play soccer and 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 then just you know when my my mom and dad we bought a few horses and I just shifted to to the horse racing you know and and I just loved it you know and and I will go to the farm we did some foaling I will see the babies while I was in college and kind of went down here as well and started hot walking horses you know we had like twenty five horses down here in Gulfstream and I got involved that way you know so it's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. And how special is that being able to share such a passion with your family too, with your parents that, sh- that share that same love of horses? Yeah. You know, my mom really loves animals and, and, she, and she, she loves the horses. She loves the babies. She, she does it all, you know, you're kind of my dad put it for her, you know, my dad likes it too, but did it, I think more for my mom. And that's how we got more involved for the farm. Also have a little brother. He's autistic and stuff. And, and they love the farm. They love the animals. So it's kind of like a nice open space for him. And it became something of a hobby. And, you know, for, for, for my dad and mom. And, and, and I kind of tried to turn it into someone of business for me. You know, that's why I got into a little bit of paint hugging and, mm-hmm. and breaking horses for clients. And But it's always been a passion of our family. And, and it's nice to see him because, you know, it's, it's a thing we all have in common. You know, we, we spend time, you know talking about it. And it's great to see, you know, everybody united and keeps us all together, really. Now, you're somebody that's young in the horse racing industry and and maybe uh, becoming a, a kind of rising star in the many different parts of the industry that you're involved in. Were there any sort of challenges or or uh, some nerves in starting your own consignment and, and heading into OBS and kind of trying to break into something where it's a new name, a new consigner there? Well, yeah, there's likes of like Eddie Woods, Nick Merrick, you know, Wavery Tree. Those are guys I look up to, you know. You know, they do a great job. They they have great horses. Um, but um, you know, it's it's yeah, you 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 uh you give it a chance and you go for it. You know, I kind of I kind of I was excited for it. You know, you you try you you know you work hard. You know, my passive. You know, I you I, I analyze the market. You know, you you um. You tr- you know, I, I, I did it like a couple of years ago, you know, not with my own consignment, but you learn what, what kind of what the market's looking for mm-hmm. and, and and you kind of work you work at it, you know. And and I and I went on this year on my own thinking, you know, you know, let's 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 try with a small number 
let's let's try to do a great job, you know, and and let's represent ourselves well. And 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 I think that was the key, you know, in March, you know, the, the you know we had horses of different levels. They're all useful, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, and it was and it was it was it was nice to sell a horse. We made profit a little bit on all of them, and the most important is. They got a great they got a, they they got a great product. I think those horses will do well for every owner that you know that that bought from our consignment. That's that's my main key. I want a long term. Um, I want to I want to be here long term. So I want to yeah. pr- produce a nice nice product. You know, they're all good. You know, in different levels. So, what advice would you have to somebody that's maybe looking to to get involved in pin hooking or or get involved in the sales in some way and maybe is a younger person in the industry? You know. To come out, see it, analyze it, and and not to be scared at all. You know, it's it's actually exciting. You know, and there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity here. So, um, you know, get into it and and and, and give it a shot. Really, don't don't be scared. <laughs> I got to take that try. Right now, coming up, there's a uh, more two year old sales still to come. What are some of the things that you have coming up in the the future sales in the next few months? Yeah, I got a, I got two horses going in April. I got a Spike Colt. He's really really quick, and out of a Giants Causeway mare, he's training well. I really like that Colt, and also I have a Klimt, um going to the sale. It's a first year sire. He's spectacular. He's so so nice. Um, that sire, you know, in March they they, they sold pretty well. They, they're mm-hmm. they're pretty fast Colts, so they'll be very early on. Um, so I got, you know, got two coats going and, and, and they're very nice. You know, I, I, I put them in the April sale just to get a little time there, you know, it helps. And, 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 um, and, and that's it, you know? Yeah. I, I think those are two nice coats that will, will do well. I'm excited for them, you know? And how much do you pay attention to pedigrees? You mentioned a freshman sire, which seems every year we're always talking about the new sires and Klimt. It, it did seem was really well received at the March sale. Mm-hmm. How much emphasis do you put on pedigree when looking uh, which horses to include in your draft for each particular sale? You know, pedigree pedigree is key too. You know, it's a part of it. You know, it's 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 one component to you know to making a sale. Um, I like first year. You know, it's exciting to see what 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 new you know sire what what they're throwing. You know. And um, but I also like horses like Spitestown, Into Mischief, you know, Tappet, Miguel the Oros. But keep in mind, it's always having an athlete. If you have an, I, I will buy an athlete, and you know, I had a Point of Entry, you know, and I had a Cairo Prince. You know, I will buy those type of horses too if, if you know, if if they're there. You know, I, it, at the end of the day, we're sending race horses. So if if you have the opportunity to buy a nice athletic horse, I'm all for it. You know. Are you still involved on the owner side of things as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, we got a horse running today, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we don't, we're not racing as much, but 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 for sure, if, if there's a horse that like last year, I like this colt. You know, he, he he didn't sell, and but I like the way he trained. So definitely, I I love racing. So if I, if if we don't sell a horse, if if an an owner, me myself included, you know, um, I would definitely, you know, we we rate these horses. We we kind of mm-hmm. put. We're realistic, you know, and, and, and definitely we'll keep, we'll keep one and we run them, you know. Uh, tell me a little bit about your trainer, Efren Losa Jr., who was the trainer of Fear the Cowboy. And, uh, I know you and your family have a great relationship with him over the years. Oh, yeah. So I met Efren in, in Calder, and I had a string of 20, and he was on the other side of the barn. I believe it was mm-hmm. 47 in Calder. I'm not too sure. I think 47, 46. I met Efren there, actually. And... Um, 
you know, I was, you know, I have my horses and, and he had his and he had clients and, and I would look at him, you know, his, his, um, pr- you know, I would look at his operation and I go, man, this, what, what, what a, you know, I would, I would analyze his operation really. And, and I go, man, this, and then we, you know, I go, you know, this guy, every horse she goes, runs, they look great. Um, they look happy. And, and I met Efren and I, and I, and I you know, like, I think it was like, what, like eight years ago, I believe. And they go, Efren, listen, I, I want to improve my, my racing. I would like to, you know, introduce you to my father and mom. And, and from then on, we've been, you know, he, he trains all our horses and he kind of made fear the cowboy, you know, who fear the cowboy was. And yeah. we, had, we had horses that look into my eyes that went on to go win on stakes and the horse got great collection. And we've had a lot of success with Efren. He's a great horseman. He knows where, you know, he knows every individual. That's what I like mm-hmm. about him. He's a realistic trainer. He, you know, he's he's on the money. He's a great coach. You know, that's how I kind of put it. And and he's a very, he's a talented horseman. So, um, our 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 um, relationship is great. He's like almost like a brother to me. You know, and yeah. he's young as well. You know, so I learn from him. He learns from me. And and we, you know, we, we're trying to create a good team. Really, it's all about a and great. That- that team really is the most important thing in racing too. And you, I mean, you said it and I could see it too. Every horse he sends over always looks fantastic in the paddock before the race too. And, um, and, and I love hearing that team aspect because it, it really is. It, it, it's not, it can't just be one person in racing, right? There's so many aspects that go into it. No, no, no. You got to give credit to the owners, the trainers, especially the grooms, you know, the hot walkers are very key. Man. We have some great help up in the farm and, and that's why I started small. I'm creating my team, you know, I I don't want to have, you know, 20, 30 horses until I got a great team and we're, we have that team now, you know, so next year we're going to probably bring 12, 14 horses to the sale is the goal. And, um, but the grooms, they're really, really key. Hot walkers, if, 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 if the doctors, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's having like a, like a team, you know, and with that, it's, you, you can reach, you know, the goals you really want to accomplish. Tell me a little bit about those goals. What, is something that you would really like to achieve. You mentioned having some more horses in the sales next year, but where would you really like all of your energy to be focused in the sport of horse racing? So one of my biggest goals is to have a horse, you know, that represents us. How by winning, you know, big races, being on the Derby Trail or, or the Oaks Trail, you know, or going on to win a stake or great stakes. Those, those are one of my biggest goals. Um, also, you know, selling you know, maybe going into the Miami sale would be nice. You know, that would be a nice goal going to be competitive there. Um, another goal for next year, I, I, you know, there's things to improve on, you know, um, breezing and OBS. So um, little things, you know, but but the main goal is really not how much I sell for, but that we sell a great product. I, I want a long-term, I want to be here long-term and, and create, you know, a clientele base, you know, really. that's my That's my biggest goal. I wish you the best of luck luck with it. Rafael, it was such a pleasure talking with you today. And I look forward to seeing um, your draft in the upcoming sales and seeing your consignment grow over the years. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And that will do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. appreciate you joining me as always. We'll be once again talking some more about the March two-year-old sale with next week's show. Also looking ahead to the Florida Derby, a big uh, major prep for the Kentucky Derby that will be covering my home track of Gulfstream Park. And looking ahead also to the Phasic Tipton 
Gulfstream sale, which will take place the Wednesday after the Florida Derby. Heard Ramiro talk about it a little bit earlier on in the show. Really enjoyed today's conversation, and I'm really excited. I have a surprise guest coming up for next week, so you must tune in. It's a big name that I think you all are really going to enjoy hearing from. I want to remind everybody to some messaging from our friends at Lone Star Park that nominations are open for Lone Star Park's Lone Star Million Day card, Memorial Day, Monday, May 31st. That's five stakes totaling $1.1 million. The grade three Sexton Mile purse increases from $300,000 to $400,000. Lone Star Million Day and the Ouija Board Distaff return after a 10-year hiatus. There's also three new stakes, the Texas Derby, Chamberlain Bridge, and the Memorial Day Sprint. They're all free to nominate. Nominations close Saturday, May 22nd. So make sure you check out all of that good information from our friends over at Lone Star Park. For now, please share this um, with anybody that you think would enjoy it. As always, please send me any recommendations or things you're interested in, questions you have about the world of the sales, pedigrees, breeding. It's all fair game on this show. And we'll see you next time on In the Ring with Acacia Courtney.